Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. We want to talk about the subject of prayer, and the title of my message is, Why Pray? Why Pray? Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and verse 1. But first, before we read that text, let's, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come before your presence now in Jesus' name for the purpose of studying your word together. And as we do, we invite the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness that we, dear Father God, would rise up as doers of the Word and not hearers only, that we'd go forth in demonstration of power and of might to promote the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. I thank you, dear Father God, that you'd speak through my lips and think through my thoughts, that the Word will go forth in such a wonderful and powerful and dynamic way that it would find its lodging within the hearts of each and every one who would hear it, it will take root and produce fruit in every life, and it will not return to you void, but will accomplish that which you purpose and please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Luke 18 and verse 1 we'll read, but one of the most important investments any one of us can make of our time, effort, and energy is to develop an effective prayer life as a believer. To develop an effective prayer life. In 18th chapter of Luke's Gospel and verse 1 it says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint, or not to faint. Well, the first thing that you ask when you talk about developing an effective prayer life is why? Why do I have to develop an effective prayer life? Why is it so essential? Why is it necessary? Can you give me you know, an answer or some reasons? Well, I don't know about you, but I remember when my children, you know, being real small, at that inquisitive age, they used to ask why? A thousand times a day. You've been there? Daddy, why are you shaving? Because God gave me this burly beard. <laughs> and I have to shave in five more hours. So just, just to tell you, know. Well, why do you use that? Because that's how I take it off, huh? Well, why do you have that cream? Well, so I don't irritate my face. I mean, and in anything you do throughout the rest of that day, it's always, why do you do that? Well, because, and then why? And finally, you just say, just because. Go to sleep. Did you ever lie down at bed at night? And you're trying to put them to sleep? And you want them to go to sleep so bad? You're just longing for the moment that they finally drift off into slumberland. I mean, you've been there before, right? I can see that you know what it's all about, right? And all you're just longing for. I remember when Jason, oh, Jason's such a wonderful, wonderful child. Just so marvelous. But the, the child didn't sleep. Sleep was not a part of his agenda. From his mother's womb. I mean, he would never sleep. This was a baby that took no nap. Never. No. And at night, he still didn't want to go to bed. He just figured that there's more to learn with your eyes open. There's more to see. 
There's more to know about. So keep them open. And you know, I just long for the moment. Finally, that precious moment in the evening, you can finally have a half hour to yourself. <laughs> and you would go to sleep. And it was just a, such a difficult thing to do. <laughs> even then. Even then. Oh, I asked why then. <laughs> why, Lord? <laughs> why? And then I knew the answer because my mother prayed for me to have a kid. Just like me. <laughs> and prayer works. <laughs> Friends, <laughs> it works. <laughs> mm. He was always inquisitive, though. Daddy, why this? Daddy, why that? You know, why everything? And you just had to keep answering, why, 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 why? And, you know, finally you just forgot about it. Just go to sleep and forget about it. <laughs> why anything? You know, why aren't you sleeping yet? <laughs> uh, well, why? Why pray? Luke 18, 1 tells us why to pray. First of all, Jesus said it's necessary. If you look at that word ought in the Greek, you'll discover it's D-E-I, pronounced die. And what it means is that one must or it is necessary. Well, if Jesus said that something is necessary, wouldn't you say that's a good reason why we should develop an effective prayer life? Wouldn't you say that's a pretty good reason why? I can't think of a better reason than that. Jesus said it's essential. He also said it's important. Well, let's uh, answer another part to that. Why? Notice the last part of the verse. Always to pray and not to what? To faint. That word in the Greek means to fail, to be weak or become weary in heart. To fail, to become weak or weary in heart. Men ought always to pray. It is necessary for men to pray so that they don't become weak or weary in heart, in spirit. See, there's no spiritual energy in the flesh. The flesh is natural and our life is spiritual the warfare that we're involved in is a spiritual warfare and if we try to combat spiritual powers with physical or emotional abilities or powers we're going to become weary we're going to faint we're going to become weak and that's why jesus said it is absolutely positively necessary and essential that we pray so that we don't become weak or weary or so that we don't fail in spirit in heart. See, the inner man has to be in connection with God, in contact with God, so that we can draw from His supernatural powers and abilities the energy and the forces that we need to be successful in life. And this is the means whereby that power is transmitted to our lives. So we must do what? We must pray. It's necessary so that we don't become weak or weary in spirit or in heart. And that's a pretty good reason, wouldn't you say? Now, another reason why we need to develop an effective prayer life is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Now, wouldn't you say that God the Father is also someone we can trust? Wouldn't you say that? Well, if we believe that he inspired Paul to write this text by his spirit, and Paul revealed the very Father heart of God then we would understand this is a command that came directly from the very throne room of the Father. And in this verse we read, pray without ceasing. That is a command, it is not a suggestion. It is a command to pray without ceasing. And the implication is not that one prays 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, every second of every day. 
What it means is that we should continually be turning our hearts toward God. In all occasions, in all circumstances, in all situations, we take the time and the effort and we put forth the energy to turn our hearts toward God, to seek His face, to determine His mind, to discover His will. And if we'll do that in all situations and circumstances, then once again we are going to be guaranteed that He will be involved actively in all the affairs of our lives and in all the situations that arise in life. It should be something that we put to practice or put in use every single day so that we can develop the habit of turning to God in prayer in all situations and circumstances and for all things. And so the first reason is because Jesus said it was necessary. And the second reason is because God the Father commanded that we pray without ceasing. Always turn our hearts toward Him in all circumstances. Another good reason why we should all develop an effective prayer life is found in Matthew's Gospel 26 and verse 41. And once again, we have a pretty good teacher qualified, I believe, to answer the question, why pray? His name's Jesus. Matthew 26 and verse 41. You'll recall what's taking place here. His soul was exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. He asked his disciples to wait with him for a while and watch with him and also to pray with him. He went off and began to pray by himself and he prayed, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But I don't want my will to be done. I want your will to be done. And then he came and found his disciples asleep and he said to them, What? what couldn't you watch with me for one hour? And in verse 41, he says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We can conclude from this particular statement of Jesus that it's, and it should be obvious to us, that praying enables us to experience through supernatural powers what we need in order to overcome the temptations or the dictates of the flesh. See, the flesh, once again, has no spiritual qualities. The flesh is in a fallen condition or a fallen state. And in that state, it will hold us back. It'll keep us down spiritually. And so to overcome the temptations of the flesh, to overcome the dictates of the flesh, so as to not be victimized by the forces of the flesh, Jesus said it's essential that we pray. Watch and pray so that you enter not into temptation. And so we can draw strength from Him. We can rise up above those dictates of the flesh. The word weak there in the Greek means strengthless. Strengthless or without strength. So in other words, the flesh is without spiritual strength. The flesh is strengthless. The flesh will always do its own thing and not follow the program of God. You ever find yourself in a setting where you're by those who are not believers. Sometimes young people find themselves in a setting where they're not influenced by believers. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Why? Because when you're involving yourself in those who are not serving God, it's very easy to gravitate towards their moral standards. It's very easy for you to get caught up in the things that they're caught up in. Why? Because the flesh wants to gravitate towards that. And so here Jesus is telling us the flesh is very weak. I wanted you to watch and pray and you fell asleep. This is a critical moment in human history. 
I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to suffer and die. I'm about to give my life. Now, beloved, can you imagine this? He's about to face this tremendous task, this hideous death. And who does he want to support him? His closest friends, his disciples, the ones he schooled, the ones he taught, the ones he loved, the ones he demonstrated his power to. He wanted their support. He wanted their encouragement. He wanted them to be right by his side. Pray with me. Together, I believe it would have been a whole lot easier for him. And could I or should I dare say that maybe the angels wouldn't have had to come to minister to him had they ministered to him? I don't know. And don't want to be dogmatic about it. But in my mind, I'm thinking, had they supported him? Had they undergirded him? Had they stood by his side? It would have been that much easier for him to combat the forces that were arrayed against him at that critical moment and hour in his life. And so he said, watch and pray because the flesh is strengthless. There's no ability in the flesh to overcome supernatural powers and abilities. So therefore, pray so that your spirit is supercharged with those powers and then the flesh is kept in check or under control. And as I said, the flesh will always gravitate towards that which is wrong. The flesh will always want to fall asleep rather than pray or study the Bible. Do you ever notice that's a good way to get yourself to go to sleep? Someone says, someone says um, you know, I have a hard time sleeping. I say, well, read your Bible. Let that sink in. It'll, it'll get to you. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Though? Have a hard time sleeping. Well, just, just read your Bible at night. <laughs> he gives his beloved sleep, number one, but the flesh just wants to pass, off, pass out and doze off when you start reading the Bible, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I've taken a few cat naps that way. <laughs> you know, you're sitting there studying the Word of God and all of a sudden, kerpow, your head's on, on, the, on the table or something. Oh, yes, it has happened. <laughs> Amen. Well, the flesh is weak. Now, in connection with that, let's look at the fourth reason. Are you marking these down? That was the third reason. Now, the fourth reason is Isaiah 40 and 28. Since the flesh is so weak, and since the flesh does not want to do the things of God, and since the flesh in itself is going to lead us on a destruction course... We've got to recognize that, realize that, and combat that with greater powers. Aren't you glad for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes us free from the law of sin and death? That law is at work in our members, that law of sin and death. But thank God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord to rise up above it through the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I like to say when you're operating that law, it's like getting in a jet. Just flying high above the clouds of adversity. But when you're operating in the lower law, you're down here where you're experiencing all the weather patterns and all that. And the storms of life are just devastating us and all that. But thanks be to God that through the ability of God, we can rise up above the clouds. Amen. Now look at here in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of all the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? Well, that's good to know that God doesn't get faint or weary. You know, and when he speaks his word, he doesn't doze off, does he? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the what? To the faint. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth what? Strength. See, the flesh is strengthless. It's without strength. The fainting is of the heart. And that's what Luke 18 said. It's of the heart. The inward man. See, all this is designed to keep us 
weak spiritually. Because if we're weak spiritually, then we'll gravitate towards fleshly things. And we understand that, don't we? But when we're strong spiritually, then physical things, natural things, fleshly things will not overcome us. Will overcome the dictates of the flesh. And so here it tells us that God gives or increases strength in us in, in, in spirit so that we can rise up above the powers of, of the flesh. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord. You say, what's that got to do with prayer? Well, that's, this is exactly what it has to do with prayer. The word wait here in the Hebrew, it means to bind together by twisting. To bind together by twisting. It's kavah, Q-A-V-A-H. It means to bind together by twisting. I'll say it one more time. Q-A-V-A-H, Hebrew. It means to bind together by twisting. It's just like braiding someone's hair. Or it's like just getting a piece of twine, two pieces and putting it together and just, you know, braiding it together. To bind together by twisting. Intermingling with God. Well, what's the best way to do that? I know of no better way than to bind myself together with God than through the, through the means of what? True worship and praise, which is prayer. Through the prayer of worship and praise. God inhabits the praises of His people. And when God's people pray the prayer of worship and praise, there is a binding or a twisting together of the two. And in that twisting together and binding, there is an exchange of strengths. The strength of God then is imparted to us. We are supercharged and energized. If you can just see two wires coming together and then twisting those wires together, one is supercharged with the power of God and the other one contains natural t uh, powers and abilities. I'll tell you what, you get the power of God and you twist yourself together with the power of God and your natural talents and abilities and powers are going to get electrified with the power and the glory of the living God. And that's what it means here. You'll rise up in new strength. You'll rise up in new power. You'll rise up in new ability. They that wait upon the Lord as they pray the prayer of worship and praise and thanksgiving unto God. Or as they sit in His presence and extol His name and glorify Him and wait upon Him. Through that intermingling, there'll be an exchange of those strengths. And what will happen? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. That's why it's essential. That's why it's necessary. That's why it's a must. Because we are spirit beings... And we've got to be supercharged with spiritual power in order to rise up above the dictates of the flesh. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, another reason. Our fifth reason is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. This is why pray. The why of prayer. You can be asking your heavenly Father, Father, why should we pray? And He'll give you these answers. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, we read... I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications and prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now, notice what he's saying here. Another reason for us to learn how to develop an effective prayer life is to benefit mankind and to also... Help those who are saved to come to the knowledge of the truth. Here's another all-important reason why we need to learn how to develop an effective prayer life. 
so that we can benefit mankind. We pray for our leaders in our land so we can benefit mankind. So we can have an atmosphere of what? Peace in our country. And when there's peace in our country, the gospel message is going forth unhindered. You know that as well as I do. When there are times of war and adversity, it is much more difficult to be effective in preaching the gospel around the world. And so we are to pray to learn how to develop an effective prayer life with regard to this so that men could be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. And beloved, we are a blessed people in this nation because of the peace that we have in this land that someone prayed for. People prayed for, they sought after, they sought for, because of it, you and I have the right and the privilege to study the Word of God and come to the knowledge of the truth, to grow spiritually by leaps and bounds and enjoy the spiritual freedoms that we have, to rise up as spiritual giants, praise God, in doing the work of the Lord here upon this earth, to reaching out like no other people before to a lost and needy world. We can do that because of the freedom that we have that was produced through prayer, the prayers of the saints. Amen. And so it's to benefit mankind and also ourselves so that people could be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, in connection with this, I want you to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Because these tie together. Why can't God do all this apart from our praying? Well, the reason why God can't do a whole lot apart from our praying is because Satan is the God of this world. In 2 Corinthians. Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let's start there. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy. Now, notice this next phrase. We faint not. How do you faint not? We just talked about it, didn't we? They that wait upon the Lord, they renew their strength. Men ought always to pray and faint not. We don't become discouraged. We don't become weak or weary in heart because we pray. Okay. Here he says, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, we're living in this world. We are to reach the world for Jesus. Satan has blinded the minds of those who are out there who do not believe. That is his priority. To keep people in the darkness and to keep from them the light. You ever try, to find, you ever try telling somebody about the light who is in darkness and the two just don't mix? Exactly. They'll just turn you off, walk away from you, think you're a religious fanatic in a nut. I remember I was a, you know, when I was growing up, well, I guess I considered myself a pretty good religious boy, you know. But if I was listening to the radio or if I put on a television set and I heard somebody on that television or radio say, praise the Lord. I said, what a nut. Turn that thing right off faster than you can, you know, think. That's what I did. But then you think, you know, go to church on Sunday and you think you're okay. You know, you're all that stuff. I saw one time on TV. Turn on the TV. They were having one of these telethons or raising money and, you know, for Christian purposes and television and all that. And I heard someone say, well, praise God and praise the Lord. We've got all this. And I turned that thing off faster than you can blink an eye. Why? Well, I was religious, but I wasn't saved. That offended me. Someone saying praise the Lord offended me. Someone saying hallelujah offended me. 
Someone going through all those dramatics offended me. I didn't like to hear anything like that. Why? It was the darkness that was in me. Oh, the darkness was covered by some religious gray thing areas, you know. But it was still darkness. And see, I didn't have the light on the inside of me. Well, thank God for somebody who prayed for me. Thank God for somebody who bound the works of the devil. Who was blinding my mind and preventing me from seeing the light. You see why it's important to pray? Because the people that are out there in the world, they're bound by darkness. And the only way that darkness can be dispelled is if we pray because Satan is the God of this world. And the God of this world will continue to rule and to reign as the God of this world until Adam's lease runs out. Now, the only ones that have any power over him are those who are in Christ because Jesus already defeated the devil. Amen. For us. And therefore, in him, we have power over the devil. And so we can use the authority of the believer. We can stand before the powers of darkness. We can dispel those powers of darkness. We can enable a person to receive the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And if that light will shine upon them and unto them and they'll receive it, they'll be saved. I remember doing this one time. This person was uh, in, a, in a mental institution, tried to commit suicide, wanted to take his life. I was teaching a Bible study. We got together, we prayed, we bound the powers of darkness that were blinding that person's mind. We asked God to send laborers across his path. And it was a couple of weeks later that someone came back to the Bible study and said, You know, we prayed that prayer and someone came in off the street into the same mental institution, walked right into this room, said to that person, The Lord has sent me to tell you about Jesus Talked to this person about Jesus who tried to commit suicide. The person got saved, released from the mental institution, in a sound mind, saved, set free by the power of God. And the person that went in to do it said, it was the only person I went to that day. Now we asked that that would happen, didn't we? That's what we agreed upon in prayer. Why pray? Because, now let me, let me clarify something just so that we understand something about faith and prayer. I would have not believed that our prayers or our faith were ineffective had the person not got saved. And I'll tell you why. As long as that laborer went into the room and sat down and told that person about Jesus, your faith worked. Our faith worked. Your faith and your prayers, mine also, cannot override a human will. As long as that person heard the truth... Your faith worked. You know, there are a lot of times people have thought that they were defeated in the areas of prayer. But you know what? You weren't. As long as what you can do or could do was done, then your faith and your prayers worked. But the person still has to make a decision. And if that man would have said, no, I don't want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, I would have been sad for that. But I would have known still our faith worked. What do you think got that woman to walk into the mental institution? To somebody that she didn't even know. Do you see that? Absolutely. I remember one time also I was walking into uh, the hospital. Not, not here. This is up in Warren. And I was walking in, into the hospital. And um, I was going there specifically to see someone else. Now I know someone else must have prayed. You ever find yourself in this position? You know, you're going there on a mission. You've got someone to see. You've got to pray with this person about a certain condition. So I'm walking into that room. And I went down the one hallway, and I made a right-hand turn, and I was looking into the room in front of me. It was obvious. It was right there. And this person was lying up on top bed. And as I walked, I made the right-hand turn, and I'm walking down another long hallway. And all the way down there, I'm saying, why do you want me to go see this other person? Why? I don't know this person. Why do you want me to go see this other person? 
God spoke to my heart to go back and talk to that person about Jesus. You know, and I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. You know, we're all like this. You know, because if you get when you get halfway down there, you think, is that really God or is that me? You ever been there? Is that just me or is that God? So I'm walking down there and, you know, I'm going through all this. I'm warring with all this. I'm warring with all this. And finally I get in. I talk to this person. You know, we have a wonderful conversation about Jesus and the word of God. And and then finally I start walking away. Now I make the left hand turn. I'm walking down the same hallway going away from his room. See? And I'm trying to be disobedient. (laughs) Doing my best to be disobedient. I guess, but really not willfully, it's just you're in your mind. You, you know, you just had the conversation with this other person and this is all going through your mind. And so finally I get almost out to the car and I stop and I say, okay, Lord, this is not me. You know? I'm not a pushy person. I don't just run up to people and all that. I'm more, you know, kind of a backward person when it comes to anything like that. So just to go to introduce myself to somebody, I just don't like doing things like that. So, so I turn around, I walk back into that room. Walk over to the person, ask him how he's doing. I guess God is really generous because he said, you know, I was praying that God would have sent you back to talk to me. And after you got your spiritual, you know, pat on the bottom (laughs) from God for your personal disobedience, he comes along and just blesses you by saying, having him say something like that. Well, this person was praying and this person was in need. And to make a long story short, this person got blessed immeasurably immensely you know you know you can not realize you don't think you're somebody important but you could be walking around with a wealth of spiritual information do you know that i'm gonna say that again you may not think that you're all that important but you can be walking around this earth in a place like that with a wealth of spiritual information that's that is essential to someone else's survival that person got blessed and was able to use the prayer of faith to, to get delivered from oppressing spirits and the powers of darkness just by me sitting down and sharing with him. See, sometimes we don't realize how valuable and how important our lives are to God. And we don't realize just how much knowledge of the Word of God we have on the inside of us that we've got to share with those people out there in the world. They don't know how to reach God. And this person was a Christian but didn't know how to reach God. And through many situations like that where they were genuinely born again but they didn't know how to reach God. And so God wants us to be saved, yes, but and come to the knowledge of the truth. Can you see that? And... Yes, Satan will keep them in darkness as far as getting saved is concerned. But once you get saved, he'll still try to keep you in darkness as far as how to use your faith is concerned. How to reach heaven and make contact with the the powers of God. He'll try to do that also. And so we've got to realize that we have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. We've got to share it with people and let people know. Amen? Amen. Now, in connection with this, what was that prayer that we are to pray? And that's found in Matthew 9 and 38. Just write it down. It's all connected. He said, pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the harvest, didn't he? And so you see the why of prayer? Because there's a harvest to be reaped out there and we're to pray so that people will get saved. So that people will go forth and share with them the good news of the gospel. And as long as someone goes, let me reiterate that again, as long as someone goes to minister to that person, your faith worked and your prayer was answered. Whether or not they got saved is between themselves and that person and God. Isn't that true? It's not up to you to get them saved. It's up to you to get someone to preach the gospel to them. And as long as you do your part, praise God, then that person's responsible to do his part. Now, another reason we should pray is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Let's, start, let's look at that. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Here's the setting. Solomon just got done praying one time and the glory of the Lord fell from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. 
the priest couldn't enter into the house of the Lord because of the glory of God that was upon them. And then as they continued on, Solomon finally prays a dedicatory prayer, communes with God. And look at verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. This is 2 Chronicles seven twelve. And the Lord appeared. Well, let's back it up to verse 11 and we'll, we can put, kind of put it together. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord. Solomon got done with all that he had to do in full detail with regard to the house of the Lord and the king's house. And all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prosperously affected. Okay. And then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. I have heard thy prayer. You know how wonderful it would be to hear those words from God? I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Now notice this instruction. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if... My people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Why pray? If we're under judgment, if we are in trouble, if the pestilence comes for whatever reason, okay, if all these things, and that's exactly what God just said, didn't he? If, if I have to judge you because of wrongdoing or because of sin, and as a result of that wrongdoing, there is a problem that occurs like the pestilence that might come your way, or there is no rain for your crops, or whatever, or the locusts will come to devour your land, whatever it is. Now remember, God is not the one who is behind this. It's only due to the fact that they have sinned and rebelled against God, which has opened up the door to the curse, and as a result, the curse will come upon them, not that God is the one that's actually doing it. He just removes his hand of blessing, and the curse, you see, comes upon the people. And that's what happened here. He said, if that happens, then if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. This is the instruction that he gives. And notice, included in that instruction is prayer. It is going to God. It is admitting our faults. It's admitting our mistakes. That's what humility is. You know, I can't do it in myself, Lord. I should have done what I did. Or whatever it is, humble yourself before God and pray. Go to God in prayer. Seek His face and turn from whatever it is that was the wrong way. Turn from that wicked way or that evil way or that wrong practice or whatever. Then God will do certain things. God will. Why pray? Because God will hear from Him. And that's why. Why pray? Because God will forgive our sin. That's why. Why pray? Because God will heal our land. God will heal our land. God will hear from heaven, God will forgive our sin, and God will heal our land. Thanks be to God. I said that's a pretty good reason why we should pray, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Look at the next one. Matthew 21, 22. I talked about this in depth on uh, Wednesday night. We pray because believing prayer is God's appointed way to receive His full blessings. Matthew 21, 22. We are to pray because it's God's appointed way, that is through believing prayer... To receive His full blessings. God wants us to be a blessed people upon the earth. God wants us to walk in His full blessings. And the way we do so is through believing prayer. Matthew 21, 22 says, In all things, everybody say all things. All things. Now notice this. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer. But He didn't stop there. Believing. believing. That's why we say believing prayer changes things. Believing prayer opens up the window gates of heaven. It's believing prayer that gets results. And what things soever you shall ask in prayer, believing, 
he shall receive. God has appointed this to be the way that we receive his full blessings. And if we're not receiving his full, his full blessings, then we've got to stop and evaluate our lives and stop and think about what we believe. Are we walking in the instruction of the Lord? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, for example, John Wesley said it seems God is limited by our prayer life. It seems that God can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Now, isn't that in full harmony with James 4, 2 that says that you have not because you ask not? Isn't that true? There are times that the enemy puts us in a position of condemnation and guilt and inferiority and we feel guilty to ask God for what we need. And we go on as Christians living day by day, not really daily communing with God in such a way that we ask Him for the things that we need. For, for example, what about give us this day our daily bread? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been there. When I was at school and had two dollars left to my name, I've been there. When there's no food on the table, you know, and no money to buy it with. And you just look to God in prayer and just say, Father God, you said. I love those two words. You said. Say that with me. You said. Oh, it puts it back on him, doesn't it? I didn't say it, Lord. You said it. And what you said is, it's good to know what God said. I'll tell you, it pays to know what God said. Father God, you said you'd supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what you said. And you know what, Lord? I need bread. And you said, is there a father among you? If your son would ask you bread, he'd give you a stone? See, it's good to know what he said. And so I said, that's what you said, Father. I'm asking you for bread, Father. Praise God. See? And he instructed me in such a way that by the end of that night, I had a $20 bill in my hand. I can go buy bread. Amen. Isn't that wonderful to know? That's how God works. Just know how to cooperate with him and, and pray the way he would have us to pray. But it says you have not because you ask not. You have to ask God so that you can receive it. But then again, in the next part of that same verse, that's James 4, 2 and then 4, 3. If you read that together, here's what it says. You ask and you have not or you receive not because you ask amiss. It, it'll do us all good to know what that word amiss means. It means with a wrong motive or intent of heart. You ask improperly or with a wrong motive or wrong intent of heart. It is so important, beloved, for us to learn how to develop an effective prayer life, one that knows how to ask God properly, following the instructional teaching of the Word, in other words, the way He would have us to ask, in with regards, rather, to believing and receiving. Sometimes you teach along those lines and people think that it's not so relevant to your life. But I'll tell you what, beloved, I have found that if you can get a hold of somebody who's not getting a prayer answer, and you can just begin to, just to fool with those little loose wires that are there and show them small, simple truths from the Word of God. You'll take somebody, and I've had this happen. I've proven this out. The Bible says prove all things. I've proven this to be true. Someone who for, for many years was supposedly trying to believe God for something. I just c connected the wires by giving a, a, a scripture like Mark eleven twenty four. That person had the light go on. You talk about the darkness dispelled and the light going on. The light went on, and in five seconds later, that person received from God the need that that person was looking for for 15 years. Got it, just like that. Well, what did that? I, nothing magical I had. I'd say, but something effective I had. Like Peter said, such as I have given I thee, it was the revelation of the word with regard to the subject of prayer, believing to receive from God. I'll tell you what, they, they, you'd be so blessed by learning those truths. And we all would be able to, you know, experience this and then give it to somebody else. And not make it so difficult. So you ask and receive not because you ask amiss with the wrong motive or intent of heart. Look at James 5. This will be our eighth one. Are you still counting? 
This is your eighth reason why. We're having a, a test at the end of this message. <laughs> okay? And it's not going to be multiple choice. <laughs> no cheat sheets or anything like that either. James chapter 5. See, James 4 said, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss or with the wrong motive or intent of heart or you just don't know how to ask God. You don't know how to believe to receive from God the things that are yours. Okay, that was 7. Believing prayer is God's appointed way for us to receive His full blessings. But God can't do it unless we ask. And if we ask, we've got to follow the rules, don't we? We've got to ask the way God says ask, not improperly or with wrong motives or intents of heart. Now, the eighth one is found in James 5 and beginning at verse 13. Now, what I'm going to do is read that to you from the Amplified Bible because, well, just as the name implies, it amplifies it. So, James chapter 5 and beginning at verse 13. Here's another reason why we should pray. 5.13 says, Is any among you afflicted, ill-treated, or suffering evil? It's a good reason why you should pray. He should pray. It doesn't say he should call anybody. It says he should pray. Well, let me ask you this question. Are you ill-treated today? Were you ill-treated? Are you suffering evil? Are you afflicted? Oh, you've never been afflicted in your life, right? Well, here's a good reason to pray. The Bible says pray if you're ill-treated or if you're suffering evil. Pray. Okay? That's a good reason. Let's go on. Is any glad at heart? He should sing praise to God. Is any one among you sick? He should call in the elders, the church elders, and the spiritual guides, and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the Lord's name. And the prayer of faith that is of faith will save him, that is the sick, and the Lord will restore him. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest heartfelt. Now here is the reason why we should pray. The earnest, heartfelt, felt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. This is the reason, number eight, why we should pray. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. It is so dynamic that if you are ill-treated or if you are afflicted, that dynamic power that's made available will help cure whatever ails you or deliver you from those powers that would bind you. Can you see that? Also, we saw there, is there any sick among you? Well, through that same corporate collective prayer, that anointed prayer that's going forth, there is tremendous power available to drive out the disease and also remove the power of sin. That's what it said there. And let's read on to the latter part. Let's read on to the next part of this. Verse 17. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and constitution as ourselves. He prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. Now think about that. Think about that. He is saying the power that is generated through prayer is so dynamic that a common man like Elijah, a common man like yourself, a common individual can make such connection with God that that tremendous power that is available is so dynamic, it will actually override the laws of nature. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what Elijah did. You remember Joshua and the sun stood still for a season. Remember that? In other words, we can generate such tremendous power that will get dynamic results. So prayer 
obviously should be a definite part of our lives. And to learn how to pray effectively really should be our goal and aim. Well, another reason is found in John 16, 23 and 24. This is John's gospel, chapter 16, 23 and 24. It's our ninth reason why. Why? Why pray? Well, in John 16, 23 and 24, I believe this is a beautiful reason why we should learn how to develop an effective prayer life. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. This is Jesus speaking. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. If that's all he said, that would have been enough. You pray and God, the Father, will give it you. Hitherto, in verse 24, have you asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. It's also God's appointed way for us to experience the fullness of joy in our lives. How many of you want to experience the fullness of joy in your life? We all want to experience a joy-filled life. Absolutely. Well, this is God's appointed way. Notice the Father loves us so much that He said, I want you to learn how to pray to me. How to ask me for the things you need. Jesus is telling us, your Father loves you so much. Just like any earthly father. That when, when you as a child ask your father something, your father will gladly give it to you because he loves you. Your heavenly father will give you the things that you need to be sustained in this life. He desires to do so. He longs to do so. He wants to do so badly. More so than probably we want the things from him. He longs to bless us because he is a father with a true father heart. Okay, now listen carefully. He says, ask and receive. Ask and you shall receive because your Father wants your joy to be full. He wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be content. He wants you to be full of joy. He doesn't want us to be defeated, tormented, devastated, troubled, or overcome. And the way we can avoid all those things is by learning how to ask Him for what we need so that He may give it to us. And He wants your joy full. Now that's how we experience that joy. You know, I told it to somebody one time who, who wasn't experiencing any joy. And I said, well, I'm sure it's because you haven't asked the Father for anything lately and you haven't received it from Him. Because you ask the Father for something and you get it. I'll tell you what, you have a joy that's unspeakable. It's a personal matter, isn't it? I've had some shouting times. I really have. Uh, don't look at me like, oh, reserved you. How can you have a shouting time? <laughs> My shouting time is in my closet. If those walls could speak. If that clothing could speak. Oh, I had some leaps for joy. Watching God at work. You know? Saying some things. Just, just asking the Father for certain things. That one time I asked Him for four... I, that still, I still, it gets to me. I asked Him for four snow tires. But see, the way I did it was this. I didn't ask Him for money to buy them. I said, Heavenly Father... You said in your word, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And whatever I desire when I pray, believe I receive it, I shall have. I'm in need of snow tires. And I was specific. I didn't say, I want money to buy snow tires. I said, I am in need of snow tires. And so I'm asking you for snow tires. I believe I received snow tires. Now, that's what I asked for. See? And someone called me sometime later and said, are you believing God for snow tires? I said, why do you ask? Because this is just a strange thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel kind of dumb even asking this question. But it's just God's impressing upon my heart to take you and buy you snow tires. I said, I don't doubt it. 
I don't doubt it one minute. When do you want to go? <laughs> but you see, the whole point was I didn't want to know about money. I mean, I, I wanted to be specific because I want to ask him personally, specifically for something. I want to see my faith work. Can, can you understand what I'm saying? I want to see my faith work. That way, someone couldn't just say, well, you know, someone just, just gave you some money. I didn't ask for money. I asked for snow tires. <laughs> Sounds dumb, but I needed snow tires. Can you see that? Okay. As for the things you want, you get them, you'll be full of joy. You'll be so joyful, you'll be going off to work, you know, just shouting your way down the road and, and everything. And you get on the office and they'll look at you like, you know, you're a crazy person or whatever. And you just say, well, you won't understand, it's a personal thing. I got four snow tires, praise God. No. <laughs> or whatever it was that you asked God for. The thing was, here's what you're doing. You're knowing that your words penetrated heaven. Here's what you're realizing. You know the words I just spoke that day when I asked the Father for them? They went all the way. You talk about telecommunications. They went to planet heaven. They went to heaven. Those words. I heard your words. God heard those words. No tires. Did you see that? He heard those words. Isn't that personal? That's personal. That's what I wanted to be. Personal. See, that's why I said that. Okay. Now that's number nine, correct? In connection with number nine, Proverbs 10, 22. I think this will be a blessing to you. No, I know it will be a blessing to you. Proverbs 10, 22. It says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. In other words, we can spend thousands of dollars trying to make someone happy. Do you know that? You can spend thousands of dollars and thousands of dollars trying to make someone healthy. You can spend thousands of dollars trying to get somebody well, emotionally, delivered. We can spend all kinds of money to try to make someone satisfied or content or full of peace and all that. But you know what? That's not the way it happens. You're not going to buy happiness. You're not going to buy health. We're not going to buy deliverance. You can't purchase those things with money. You can't buy peace and contentment of heart. Those things are not purchased with money. But I'll tell you what, beloved. Knowing how to receive from God, learning how to receive from God, how to ask that your joy may be full. That is the blessing of the Lord. It makes you rich. You are a wealthy person when you know how to say, Father, I need and whatever it is, you say it, and I believe I receive it, and then you have it. You are a rich person when you can say, Father, you said you'd heal my body. I believe it. I receive it. I thank God it's gone. Hallelujah. You can't buy health. You say, Lord, I need peace of mind. I can't buy it. I can't find it anywhere. But I'm coming to you, Father God. I'm asking you for peace of mind. Whatever it is. You see, you can't buy it. But praise God, you can have it. Blessings of God. They are going to make you rich. And there's no sorrow with it. God doesn't want us to be sorrowful. He wants us to be joyful. For the joy of the Lord is our fortified place. It's the strength of our lives. Amen. And so you see, God wants us joyful. Now, the next one, number 10, is found in Ezekiel 22 and 30. Another important reason why we should develop an effective prayer life. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 22 
and verse 30. The reason is to prevent judgment. To prevent judgment in the earth. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. This is Ezekiel 22. I just read verse 30. I heard some pages turning. I'll read it again. I know you're praying for me to slow down. And I sought for a man. Your prayers are being answered. I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. What's God saying here? See, I cannot stay my hand at judgment. I've got to judge them because there's nobody found to pray to stand in the gap and fill up the hedge. I have not an intercessor, someone to pray, someone to stand in the gap, someone to fill up the hedge so that I would not destroy the land. I don't want to destroy the people, he is saying, but I have to because I'm a God of judgment as well as mercy and forgiveness. And as a result of their sin that has not been uh, confessed as sin or turned from, repented and turned from, I have got to pour out my judgment upon them unless somebody would stand in the gap and fill up the hedge. Why is it important to pray? Even some of our loved ones in our, in our families, in our friendships and, and all that, we can stay the hand of judgment. We can hold back judgment and give them more time to repent and to come back to God. We can do that, see? Now, I want, you to show, I want to show you how effective this is. Look at Ezekiel, Exodus. Exodus 22. 32. Exodus 32, rather. Why pray? Well, here's a tremendous reason why we should pray. Or learn how to be more effective in prayer. And we'll probably start tonight talking about how to pray. So, I thought I'd just throw that in there for a minute. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for thy people which you brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Now notice God says, your people, Moses. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And, I, and the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked, People. Boy, God was a little critical there, wouldn't you say? I mean, think about that. Now, therefore, let me alone. I can't imagine God saying that. Don't bother me. That my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them. Can you imagine God starting to get to boil, to the boiling point? That I may consume them. And I will make of thee a great nation, Moses. And Moses besought the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath or your anger wax hot against your people? And Moses reminds him that they're his people. Which thou hast brought forth out of the land, you brought them out, not me, with great power and with a mighty hand. 
Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out and slay them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent. God, Moses is speaking to God like this. Try it sometimes. Think about it. I just remember when Elijah was before the, the, the men came before Elijah and the fire came out of heaven and burned them all up. And God's now, he's really angry. You think the, he's turned up now? He's turned up. He's as hot as hot gets. Right here, right now. And Moses says, look. He says to him, turn from your wrath, your fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against your people. That's what he said. Did he say that to God? Whew. Pretty bold fella. You see how bold you can be when you have the word of God? When you know the covenant that you have with your God? And then he says, and remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Thy servants. You know what we can say? Remember Jesus. Father, I need help. Remember Jesus. Do you see that? They said, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We could say, remember Jesus. Lord, if you were in trouble like I'm in trouble, I'd help you. Right? Remember Jesus. I need your help. To whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and this land, all this land which I have spoken of, will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented... Of the evil which he thought to do to his people. He found no man to stand in the gap and fill up the hedge. He did here and what happened? The hand of the Lord was stayed. The judgment was stayed. And praise God they were not destroyed or consumed or wiped off the face of the earth. Because somebody prayed and interceded. And finally we'll close it right here. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says. Our last reason. Not that we're exhausting all reasons. But we're just. This is the last one that I'm giving today. Philippians 4, 6 says that prayer is our way out of worry and anxiety. It is the cure for stress. Oh, and everybody said, Amen. Goodness. Now you know why we had to give it. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Worry is a sin, and the opposite of worry is trust. If we are living in worry, we are not trusting our God. He wants us to dwell in certainty, not uncertainty. If we're burdened by stress, if we're entertaining fear, we're not realizing that God is on the throne and He is there for us to call upon in our time of need. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says that we are to cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. In Psalms 55, or 55 and I want us to turn to that one. 55, Psalm 55, 22 and 23. I want you to turn to that and we'll... You talk about reasons to be stressful, right? <laughs> 55, 22, and 23. Now listen to what it says. God wants us to be at a calm, unworried, in a, in a calm frame of mind, with deep, settled peace in our hearts. Look at what it says. Cast thy burden upon who? The Lord. He will sustain you. 
He will never allow you or suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.